0: Three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And let me tell you something. I have one of the most entertaining guests for today's show. So, you folks in the studio audience, you picked a good day to be here live, and everyone listening out there, right. absolutely. Um, I've known this guy for 40 years, he's one of the smartest guys that I know. He's always, and I mean always, uh, unapologetically marched to the beat of his own drum. Uh, he's an East Coast kid living on the West Coast, and uh, he, he's one of the funnest and and more and more fun people that I know to be around. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Eric Klinger. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing fine. How are you, Ethan? I'm doing very very well, thank you. All right, we're gonna play a game called Twenty Questions. And it always starts the exact same way. And that's with question number one. Question number one. Do you believe that we are currently living in a simulation?
1: Do I believe that we are currently living in a simulation? What an interesting question from the mind of Ethan Jewell. That's right. Um, Are we living in a simulation? No. I, I think that... You know, this is not a dress rehearsal. Life is what is happening now. That's right. And, you know, when we are in the moment, we solve problems. This isn't a simulation, although maybe it is.
0: <laughs> you always got le- like to leave. I like that. You
1: my dry sense of humor.
0: You, you always, you always got to leave a little hedge there. I appreciate that.
1: Yes. All I right. mean, maybe we are. I mean, it's possible. Look, there's there's intelligent life out there that's probably looking at us and going like these guys are a bunch of of twits.
0: Yes. Shall we say? Yes. No, and uh,
1: no. they may be they, they may be running a game on us. Maybe we're in a black hole. Who knows?
0: Running a game on us, I, I think that's probably a, a very accurate, you know, possibility. Um because we we would be the ultimate mark of the universe. Like we are so egotistical. You know, we're sitting here ruining our own planet, thinking we are all alone, and we would be the perfect people to point out and say, ah, those people right there, they'll fall for anything.
1: I think that that's right. And, you know, I learned critical thinking skills long ago in, in many, you know, debates as a 10-year-old with uh, with your dad, David Jewell.
0: <laughs> well, he's going to love to hear that. So, he's going to love to hear that. Yeah. Hey, so, a little
1: tribute to Grubiet.
0: I love it. Hey, speaking of uh, the good old days of Rye, how many hours did you log hitting tennis balls against the Rye Junior High School wall?
1: That's a really interesting question. Um, because Rodney Jerabek, who we grew up with, asked me more or less the same question. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he was like, you know, you used, used to hit tennis balls against the wall in the rain. And, oh, yeah. you know, my answer to that is that, you know, I lettered on the Portsmouth High School tennis team as a as a freshman. Yep. So however many balls I hit, there were enough balls to do that. Right. So, um, and, you know, also, I was uh, I didn't really know how to play tennis. I just always had a lot of energy as a kid and, you know, playing hitting tennis balls against the wall is, you know, as any good tennis player can tell you is the absolute best training. Yeah. So whatever I did, uh, you know, I didn't, I guess I wasn't really aware that I was doing it for that purpose, and I probably wasn't at that time. But, you know, like a lot of my friends are pro tennis players out here, and they're like, the wall is the ultimate zen. You oh,
0: know, the so wall cool. never misses. The wall never misses, and it puts it right back at the you. The wall never misses. Didn't you have Woody yep. Stone as a coach?
1: I did. Woody Stone was my tennis coach. Was my high school coach, and and what happened was so my mom. I don't know if you remember this, but my mom was very into tennis She played every day, and she was a, a tournament player. And um you know, my dad a little bit less so. But basically, my mom took me out, and I you know I I'd, I'd hit tennis balls against the wall, but I didn't know how to keep score or anything. In the first day, I hit some very nice little shots, and she said, "Okay, you know," she called up Woody Stone. Who was also the professional in our town? Yeah, you know the teaching.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, and Woody came over and hit balls with me. Uh, I forget where we hit. It it was what's that club on um, Grove Road? Oh, Longfield. What? Yeah, right. We hit at Longfield, and you know I. You know, been actually only playing for a couple of days. And he was like, Yeah, you know, she'd go after the team. You know, keep hitting with your mom. And so my mom took me out every single day and beat me like 0 and 2
0: every
1: wow. day for six months. Oh, she had no big weapon, but she never missed. She was like the version of the wall, but like a real odd person.
0: Yep. She
1: would kick my ass. I you hope I can say that. You can. You can and say whatever he, you'd like. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Every single day for six months, she whooped my ass. Wow. And, um, you know, when I finally learned to serve the way that I serve now, you know, she couldn't beat me from that point. She was like, okay, you should go out for the team. Also coached by Woody stone. That's cool. So yeah, Woody and I had a great relationship. He was a great coach. I loved Woody. Woody, I think liked me a lot too. And, uh, yeah, he was great.
0: Woody Love was Woody. A, a Portsmouth? I'm sure he's not
1: around anymore. but
0: He's not. He's a Portsmouth legend. I think the gym is actually yeah, absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> named after him now. So that that's a cool story. I like that. All right. Hey, can yeah, you? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. uh,
1: the coaches that I had were Woody Stone and Steve Grogan. Wow. Mr. Grogan. Mr. What, Grogan. I, I don't know if his name is. Yeah, Mr. Grogan. Mike. I, I think his, his name was Mike
0: is. Grogan. I'm pretty sure
1: yeah so mr grogan was my cross-country coach and you know he was
0: amazing i love mr grogan yeah he was one of a kind too hey so uh you you know used to be uh you're obviously very musical uh when i first met you you were playing drums and that went into guitar what got you into you know because every kid when they're 11 loves you know van halen they all love music but you actually took the next step Mm -hmm. and you went out and got like a kick-ass drum set and became like Really good at it. Like, what what was it that propelled you to want to go and get a drum set and be that good?
1: That's uh, you know, that's another great question. I don't know. I mean, I know what motivated me to become a good guitar player, and that was women, because yeah. you know, you don't get laid as a drummer. That's true. Um, as a drummer, I'm not really sure what motivated me. To be perfectly honest, because. You know, you're just always hauling stuff around and setting up and it takes so long and the girls never really pay any attention to you. So I'm not even sure what motivated me to play the drums and to invest the time that was required to play them well. I guess it was kind of like, you know, hitting tennis balls against the wall. It was kind of a high energy, hyperactive kid and you know the, the drums gave me something to hit i yeah. don't know you know it was like that that sort of physical pleasure of hitting the drums and i mean i have that somewhat on the guitar like you know it's kind of like you know people who knit you know they're like yep. knitting a sweater it feels good on their hands so that tactile sensation of playing is still with me but it's not um You know, the difference is now, you know, it's an instrument where I can actually get laid.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, that's That's the
1: only reason, that's the only reason anybody does it, by the way. Anybody who tells you that, like, you know, they want to explore, you know, different frontiers of music, you just want to get women.
0: You know what? I'm not going to argue you on that point. I'm going to say that's a a correct answer. Hey, here's a question for you. Uh, Facebook, Uh mostly good or mostly bad?
1: Uh, I've not been on Facebook now for almost a month. Um, Oh, good for you! All bad, all bad. Hate it. It's just completely toxic. Everyone, everyone should just get off Facebook. It's just, it's too political now. It's too toxic. You know, if you're not thinking the way that everybody else is thinking, you get kind of ostracized and canceled. Yeah, and uh, it's absolutely a complete waste of time.
0: Here, here, amen to all Complete of that. Complete
1: waste of time. Yeah, and it, I, you know what? I turned my back on about 500 Facebook friends. You know, I mean, my thing was if you have my number, then you're my real friend. Yep. As opposed to my Facebook friend. That's and right. And I would do so again, except no man deserves that much pleasure in one lifetime. <laughs> like it's gone. <laughs> See you, bye. Like go uh, fuck yourself.
0: God, that's good. Bye. Great. Hey. Yeah. Um, to the best of your ability, try to put this in layman's terms and, and try to keep it. I know this is a tough one, but try to keep it tight as much as you can. Try to explain quantum mechanics to our listening audience.
1: Quantum mechanics? Uh, I, I, I can't. I mean, okay. I don't really. I mean, quantum, quantum mechanics. I mean, yeah, I know it's physics, but I think that quantum mechanics is sort of the alternate theory to um, Newtonian gravitational laws. Okay. So, you know, Newtonian laws of physics are things like F equals MA and like, you know, for every action there's an equal but opposite reaction. That's the principle that, you know, airplane engines use and, you know, the theory of movement and things like that. Quantum mechanics, I think, is an alternate um, uh, set of physical laws that either contradict or, you know, it, it's basically a, re- a realization among scientists that Newtonian laws of gravity don't necessarily explain everything in the universe, right? So you had gotcha. quantum mechanics, you know, people like Stephen Hawking were big proponents of quantum mechanics. But other than that, I can't really explain what it is because I'm not a physicist.
0: That's fine. You know what? You you The explanation that you gave is perfect because everyone listening, is that's going to be enough for them. It's probably right at the top of what they can handle. And um, it, all I'm looking for is what you know. So that's that's fantastic. Hey, um, no. in terms of the... So you, as I mentioned earlier, living on the West Coast, specifically, you're living in California. Uh, you've been out there for a long time. Um, in yep. terms of uh, of the people, right? So not nothing else, just forget the weather. But what's the difference, the biggest difference between the people on the West Coast in California and the people back in New Hampshire?
1: Hmm. Again, a very interesting question. I mean, it's hard to generalize because people are people wherever you go. Um, yep. And a lot of the people out here, so I live on the north side of Santa Monica You know, if you've ever been out here, you know that a good half the people in this neck of the woods came out here from the East Coast. Okay. So, they came out here from New York. So, a lot of the people that you deal with are from the East Coast. Um, I think that being out here um, maybe makes people a little bit less um, stuck on the idea of conformity, right? Okay. So, I mean – if I lived on the East Coast, I guarantee you I'd be married because everybody is married and I have nobody to hang out with. Out here, probably about half my friends, and I'm over 50, yep. half my friends are not married. And the ones that are, some of them are happy, some of them are totally miserable. Um, <laughs> you know,
0: New, newsflash, I mean, newsflash people, some people that are married aren't happy. It's true.
1: Yeah. You know, you, you can't fix everybody. So it's like the people out here, I would say, are a little bit more open-minded, maybe a little bit more, a uh, little bit less about, okay, here's how to live your life, right? You get educated, go to a good school, get a good job, a profession. You know, that's very like my father's generation way of Way of thinking.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally. And out
1: here, it's a little, and, and I feel like that still pervades the East Coast. You know, the idea of like that more traditional life and responsibilities and raising children and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Out here, it's just kind of more of a free for all.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, and I dig that. Um, and I think and he
1: lived in both places, yeah, that's, that's how I characterize it.
0: So, <clears throat> speaking of people that are transplants, uh, obviously you mentioned you're in Santa Monica. Um, mm-hmm. the, one of the most notorious uh, criminals uh, of our time, Mr. Whitey Bulger, yeah. also a transplant. He lived
1: right at the end of my
0: street. I was going to ask you if you ever saw him out there.
1: No, I never saw him, but I mean he lived on 3rd in Montana. And I live fourth in Washington. If I go two blocks north, I'm on Montana, and then I walk one block toward the beach, and that's where he was.
0: Good Lord.
1: So he was third in Montana. I mean, she we was in the hood,
0: for sure. That's, that's wild. All right, so here's a question for you. Um, would you rather be Lewis Hamilton when he wins the Formula One on that day, you get to be him for that day, or Tiger Woods when he comes back and wins at Augusta? A couple years ago that one day
1: hmm wow well i would probably say you know lewis hamilton has won the world championship seven times
0: <laughs> yep
1: tiger you know obviously has what 15 majors now with that, the masters that, that so, sounds right yeah but i mean tiger's story is one more of redemption and a, and a comeback so I would have to say I'd rather be Tiger Woods for that one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a. I hadn't even thought about that, but that is true. There's that I mean, much Lewis more Hamilton, to it.
1: It's it's more or less expected that Lewis is going to win the world championship. Although the season coming up is going to be very interesting. Yeah. with Fernando Alonso back in the mix.
0: So, how old is Lewis Hamilton? Just out of curiosity. Um, like ballpark exactly. He, I mean, thirties.
1: 31 32 yeah early 30s wow i think that's amazing yeah he's he's you know probably the most successful (laughs) sportsman of all time i mean the only person i can think of who's more successful in in all of sport is michael schumacher i mean michael schumacher made more money than any sportsman i don't know if muhammad yeah more than muhammad ali so i mean like Wow. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton is on track to surpass him, and you know probably be the most successful athlete in any sport of all time.
0: That's incredible. It really is. Hey, here's a question yeah. for you. you he's,
1: ch- he's great. I love Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's he's great. He works hard.
0: True, you know? true star quality. Yep, true star quality. Yeah. Um, um, hey,
1: and he- when we was dating Nicole Scherzinger. That <laughs> was, uh, although she's a little bit older, she was born in seventy eight right so you know she was a bit of a cougar and still is at 42 but she still looks great
0: well yeah you know uh, age is just the number you know j-lo's proven that every day um mm-hmm. hey have you ever attempted to drink 10 martinis while bartending at a house party for your parents on new year's eve
1: I don't know about 10. I don't know how many it was, but it was quite a few. Uh, I will say that last night I took a 10 milligram uh, edible of Indica, Oh, and I don't remember much, but when I came out this morning, there was a plate of half-eaten nachos in the kitchen. I'm yep. like,
0: who the fuck made
1: nachos? And then I'm like, uh, I did?
0: Yo soy, yo soy made nachos. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, that's so funny. there you go. Yeah. No, that was, I, I, you know, that was one of my favorite memories of growing up was uh, just the gravitas. Of of, booting all over the
1: place. Well,
0: not that part. That was when things started to go south. But just the, the party itself, like we were, for those of oh, you yeah. in our, our <sighs> studio audience, uh, Eric's parents were nice enough to hire me and ah. Eric to be bartenders. And we were like, I don't know, 13. We had no idea how to make any ah. drinks. But... We were interested in trying to figure out how to drink them, and boy, didn't Eric put that to the test? I've never seen uh, a more heroic effort put forward when it comes to drinking martinis as Eric put forward that night. It was really, really special, world class.
1: Did you know that? Did you know that a whiff of gin to this day turns my stomach?
0: Oh, I believe it. From from that, I I certainly believe it. I never drank gin
1: ever again after that night.
0: That'll do it. I mean, I
1: was fourteen. You know, I was just. I was just learning my boundaries with alcohol, and my dad purposely—my dad purposely let me drink until I got sick, yep. so that I would learn. And you know, it was a check.
0: That's right. Um, yeah, hey, Lucky is going crazy. Oh, that's okay. We we love we love guest uh, guest hosts or guest dogs on the show. All right. So next question. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. So one of these two things goes away; it ceases to be part of reality. The other one stays put, but the other one, you don't have any, you can never, ever listen to it or experience again. Either Oasis or The Who goes away forever.
1: Either Oasis or The Who. I think I'd rather have The Who go away forever.
0: Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Because I've already
1: experienced The Who. I've seen them in concert multiple times. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Oasis in concert multiple times, too, but... I, you know, I'm kind of kind of over the Who. Like, all right, the Who is. I mean, they're they're great lives. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. Their their music is very very powerful, but I don't sit around like listening to Who's Next or anything. Like that. Like,
0: yeah, and you and you know, you yeah. were so early on. I mean, you were again. You know, eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, and you had every Who album. Um, you know, and you were you knew every song. You knew every drum beat. Like you. You studied yeah. that band early and you were so into them so early that obviously yeah, your your musical tastes are going to grow and mature and, you know, you, sure. you found other stuff. So that may, I, I kind of knew when I wrote the question down, I'm like, ah, he's going to say the who goes bye bye. But that's all right. Now we know for okay. sure. OK, yeah. um, hey, yeah. yep. what uh, what's the best thing if, from your recollection? What was the best thing about living in Rye growing up in Rye?
1: Um, well, I mean, you know, it was idyllic. I mean, it was situated right on the ocean. Yeah. I mean, that was great. I would say the beach yeah. was, was the best part of it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I also really liked how, um, you know, it, it, it was kind of like you could go out and do things and you had more or less complete freedom because, you know, my mom was like, well, if Eric falls off his bike. Silla Mesa is going to come out with, you know, some back and banding.
0: That's right. You know, That's right.
1: everybody everybody knew everybody. Yeah. Everybody looked after each other's kids. You know, it's, it was idyllic. And yeah. I mean, there was no crime. You know, there was no like, you know, some people were really rich and some people were really poor. This kind of felt like everybody was more or less the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. from an economic standpoint. When it, I mean, there was a little bit of, of diversity that way, but it wasn't. So much that like, you know, of course, you know, we had probably the nicest house in our neighborhood and it was right next to the right next to, you know, a family that was there before we were and they had a dirt driveway. So, I mean, that would be the exception, but that was, that was about as broad as, as it got from that standpoint.
0: Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I agree with that answer. It was a great place to grow up. Um, okay. Absolutely. What What is your, currently, if, if you could pick one sport to watch, not play, because I know you're an avid sportsman, you play golf, you play tennis, you go skiing, but if you were going to pick a yeah. sport just to watch, what would be your sport of choice? Football, for sure. There you go. Yeah, football. Now, did you... College and NFL. Okay, so this year, I'm a big football fan too, but this year with COVID, I mean, they played the games, there was all kinds of weird, you know, last minute... People that couldn't play, and the the crowd was either non-existent or sparse, depending on what city the teams were playing in. And to me, yeah,
1: they used fake
0: crowd noise. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't like that. But I and I I watched you know I watched all the same games that I would have normally watched, but it just didn't feel the same. Which I think shows how how big of a part that crowd energy really is in terms of watching and enjoying a sport because it just didn't feel the same to me. I mean look again, I watched it, I liked it, but it wasn't the same.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well also the Pats were really not in contention, so that wasn't the same. Yeah.
0: Well that's I all- mean
1: that made a big difference. I mean I think you know, I had NFL Sunday ticket for free because I've had it so many years and I'm like, well you know, with T V at the at the at the Bucks. I mean, you know, but I mean, you know, you gotta love that. I mean, the guy won the Super Bowl the first year. I mean, that's amazing. The
0: guy's a winner. That's just all there is he to it. Totally, is.
1: This guy's a yeah. winner. Hey,
0: it's what is warrior. what is your stance? What is your perspective? What is your take uh, on the GameStop slash AMC slash all the other Robin Hood type related situations that we've had? Like, obviously, it's a battle essentially of big money, hedge fund money versus the little guy and you know, the big guy always wins no matter what, but what, what's your, and and you're somebody, I'm asking somebody with, I would, I would consider you a borderline expert because you've got a finance background. You went to a very prestigious college for, uh, for, for not for finance, but then you went to masters and got your finance degree. So, so you know what you're talking about. So what's your take on that whole situation?
1: Well, um, I think that it is going to contribute to a lot of volatility in the marketplace because, um, you know, if a group of people can really challenge the big hedge funds, I mean, anyone can look at what the short interest is and see where the hedge funds, what stocks the hedge funds are shorting the most and then go buy them. And put the whole market into a short squeeze where you know you could see funds wiped out. So I mean, the long you know the effect of, of the GameStop thing and it only happened that once, to my knowledge, hasn't really happened any other time. No. And they're talking about regulating and all that, but you could see like you know in '97, like with long-term capital management going under, you could see that take down hedge funds and then the whole financial system becomes destabilized yeah from that interesting so um you know but then again i mean it's it's a market you know and the more that you intervene in a free market you're going to create a subsequent need to intervene somewhere else yeah so i'm not a believer in congress intervening or you know, passing no shorting rules and stuff like that, you should just let the market work. And, yep. you know, it's, it may cause some instability if, um, you know, if a hedge fund loses billions of dollars and they have to close their doors um, because all their investors suddenly are trying to withdraw their money. Right. Um, you could have kind of an 08 meltdown all over again.
0: Right. And it's actually, i have yeah.
1: invested in such a way that, that if that happens, you know, I and, you know, one of my clients would do extremely well.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, either it's a free market or it's not, right? I mean, you can't have right. it be a free market sometimes. not have
1: half a free market. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, you know, that's not our system anymore. Exactly. I mean, it's not real capitalism. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's capitalism, but let's try to legislate every problem away and you can't do that no every time that you intervene you create the need for further intervention right so just my little libertarian ayn (laughs) randish nonsense but
0: no i like it that's what that's why i asked the
1: virtue of selfishness (laughs) that's
0: right. that's right that there's nothing wrong with that hey um there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it You've been out on the West Coast now, and if I get this year wrong, I apologize, but I think since the mid-90s. Is that right? 97. Okay. So, you've been out there for a yep. long time, what, and obviously, I've been out there to visit you. It's beautiful out there. It's always nice. There's plenty to do. Um, you live in a beautiful spot, but every once in a while, and again, take your, take your family out of this, take your friends out of it, but what do you miss the most about the East Coast?
1: Um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> is nothing a good answer? No, there's nothing that I meant. No,
0: nothing is a very good answer. Nothing. Okay. All right, well, that, And that's why you've been there that long, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I enjoy visiting. I, I love going to New York. I love going to Hamptons. You know, it's great. You know, I love going to New Hampshire, too. But uh, you couldn't pay me to live there. Yeah. At all. I mean... If I was to move anywhere on the East Coast, it would probably be like South Beach.
0: Okay. You know,
1: but as far as the Northeast, <clears throat> yeah. never.
0: Yeah, I mean, South Beach, New Hampshire, it's kind of the same, kind of the same thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, if you grew up in New <laughs> Hampshire, you are more or less an ideal candidate to go, you know, tracing around South Beach.
0: My daughter was a nanny um, for uh, a family that had a place down in south beach on south beach beautiful penthouse condo unbelievable and she said she's like dad it's like it's like a different planet you know you walk around and just yeah everybody is different just world. different world everybody's beautiful you know a lot of obviously it's very um you know latino uh you know right. based people and she's like just every spanish music spanish talking everything is just different and the whole place looks and feels different and it's uh, it's right there. It's right in the U.S. So,
1: it feels like a different country.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, what she said. Yeah,
1: it, it's like you know, in L.A., obviously we have a huge Mexican population here. I mean, I would say in L.A., eighty percent of the conversations are in English, and twenty percent are in Spanish. Yep. I mean, I can understand Spanish, okay, but in Miami, it's the exact opposite. Eighty percent of the conversations are in Spanish. Right. Twenty percent are in English. Yeah, that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't like. I mean, just you know, because I don't really speak Spanish, but right. also because you know, we're, it's not a foreign country; it's America.
0: That's right. Yeah, and the twenty percent that's in English, eighty percent of that is, uh, do you have any cocaine for sale? <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right.
1: We uh, 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 said yeo. Yo,
0: yo, soy mucho yeyo um, Okay. Yeah, exactly. One another, another tough one. Uh, might be tougher than the last one that I gave you. That was an if this then that. So one of these two has to go away. Okay, forever. Uh, either golf goes away forever, or skiing goes away forever.
1: Skiing. Yeah, would go away forever. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, actually, let me rethink that. All okay. right, I, I'm, I take that back. Golf would go away forever.
0: Really? Yeah. I that yeah. surprises me, dude. Because
1: skiing, skiing is like something I do with my friends, and it's like social. I love to ski. Yep. Yep. And you know, golf, golf. You know, if I never played it again, I wouldn't be like you know, I'm not as addicted. As some people are, like oh, yeah. Rod Jarabek. Yeah,
0: yeah, you yeah, know? yeah.
1: But then again, he's a scratch golfer, and I'm not. So
0: right.
1: I think if I was that good, if they, I think if I was as good as he is, I probably would
0: give a different answer. Gotcha. Yeah, Oh, well, that makes sense. Okay, Um, so we went to Portsmouth High School, um, you know, and and that led to you. You went again, you went to a great university and then another one for your master's program. So and and I think overall, the teachers in Portsmouth were really good teachers. I do believe that of all the teachers that you had early. You said your your two coaches were Mike Grogan and and Woody of all the teachers that you had in Portsmouth all four years, who was your favorite teacher?
1: Mm. well i mean there were a couple that i thought there were there were a couple that i thought were really good mr norman yeah for french sure um mr eastman for physics okay and mr Rodis for history chuck yeah chuck Rodis.
0: yeah what a great he dude great. he was. I
1: thought he was probably the best, yeah.
0: Now he, and he also, help, help me understand, he did uh, Junior World Council as well, um, I think. Yep. Or, or, and in modern European history. Yep, and he was, he did that trip to New York every year. Um, I don't know how he got away with it, but he took a whole army of juniors and seniors, and in some cases sophomores, down to New York and we just had really no bear. we were just walking around New York doing our thing. And it was uh, yeah, I mean, that that I mean, I really appreciate when teachers do stuff like that because then they're really, truly putting themselves out there, giving themselves up, essentially for somebody else to have an experience that you know they already had. He's already been to New York, so yeah. you know, it, but that was a lot right. of fun.
1: Well, I went to Greece with Mr. Rodgers.
0: Oh, that's right. It,
1: for, um, for I was on the Greece trip senior year, which was absolutely the most fun I think I've ever had in my entire life.
0: What a great um, opportunity.
1: It was amazing. I mean, it was just so much fun. You know, sometimes, it, it, I mean, we were partying our asses off. But, you know, because I can hold my liquor pretty well, yep. like nobody ever really knew but there were some people on that trip that got absolutely blasted and, and he got, I think he got in some trouble for that.
0: Um, <laughs> he, he I shall mean, remain yeah. nameless.
1: She, Oh, who shall remain. Oh, well, there you it go. Was, it was, it was, uh, Leslie. <laughs> oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, some people oh. really got in trouble oh. and, um, she tried to get us in trouble. She's like, Well yeah, I was drinking, but so is Eric Klinger. so is Darren Sanborn, so is
0: everybody else. Oh I'm like, what a rat.
1: I'm like I'm like, Why are you gonna try to take us down with you? Come on now.
0: That's rule number you one.
1: Know? So well, number one, man, it's like the guy code, you, you know, you can't, you can't do that. So anyway, all's well that ends well, you know, I don't know if she got her diploma in the mail, but I got my diploma the normal way. There you go. And all was good. There you go.
0: Hey, here's a question for you. <laughs> How many people do you know who have written a, his, a technically accurate military novel a la, um, you know, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy at age 11?
1: I don't know anybody. I also don't know anybody
0: who. Well, had I know somebody on his
1: hands with which to write that book.
0: Yeah. Well, you're making it sound like there isn't anybody out there that's done that, and the reality is there. That I'm talking to that person right now. You wrote a technically accurate military novel at age 11.
1: I don't know how technically accurate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, put it this I way. Mean, like
1: when, I say, when, when, when you were like. Kind of like, I'm like Tom Clancy. I mean, like, I was, you know, partially kidding. I don't don't think it was quite, probably up to Tom Clancy.
0: What was Uh, the title though? What was the title? I honestly don't remember. Oh my God, I forget too. I remember seeing it. You had it printed out and you had it in a binder and it was printed out from Myron, your home computer. And it was big, Myron. And it was a big ass book, man. You had a lot of goddamn words in there.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I used to love to like go to the library and look at the encyclopedias and like read that stuff. Yeah, and uh, as it turned out, probably a better use of my time would have been to uh, get good at soccer. You know, because ah. then I'd be playing with the other kids, and girls would love me because I'm a jock. You know, and then I started playing drums, and I still didn't get late.
0: <laughs> so then you went so to then, guitar,
1: you know? Yeah, I went to guitar, and then the floodgates opened. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it is true i mean like if i get women into my apartment the guitars are just sitting there yep i don't usually offer to play because i don't need to i mean (laughs) they see they see the guitars and they're like all right well obviously you know we're gonna get this stuff it's kind of like having a nuclear weapon right it's true
0: yeah, just the deterrent factor. Yeah. Like, it's it's there, and Should I will pull see. it out if I need to. Right.
1: I, yeah. I'll pull it out if I need to, but I shouldn't need to.
0: <laughs> okay. Hey, <laughs> yeah. What what decade would you consider the best overall from your perspective? 70s, 80s, 90s, the 2000s, or 2010s? 90s definitely the 90s were
1: awesome that was well i was living in new york yep i was like flying all the world i you know the women were like all over me and um you know the 90s man i was in my 20s and it was amazing there you go in new york like, pre-9-11 the so there was no the world.
0: right and it was pre-9-11, pre-9/11. right no travel yeah. bullshit
1: i mean i had to wear a condom I mean, we, you know, in a sense, the '70s were like before AIDS, so I mean, you
0: know, that was cool. But like,
1: oh my god, the '90s, the '90s were were awesome.
0: Yep, yeah. I, I don't yeah. disagree with that. All right, my friend. I hope
1: I'm not offending any members of your audience.
0: Uh, you know what? Listen, have. the No Outlet Podcast is a place where everybody can voice their opinion without having to worry about that. If people don't like it, they don't have to listen to Eric Klinger. That's all there is right. to it. So we are right. down to and our
1: many people don't
0: that well. Hey, and that's that's their choice. God, God bless America. So their
1: choice. libertarian.
0: That's it, Anne Ryan or whatever yep. her name is. Um, okay, Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. Um so Ayn Rand. So what? This is the last question. So think about it because it's going to be the last impression that people get uh, of our conversation here. What is what the is lesson? My favorite color? <laughs> no, that would have been that would have been a perfect first question. I would never save that yeah. for last. What is the lesson for today?
1: Well, obviously it's to be Danish. Right. And, That's you know, right. the Danes are the happiest people on earth. They're very fun-loving. They live in a country where the weather sucks and all winter long it's dark and rainy. And they live in a country where excellence really isn't rewarded with anything other than an obnoxiously high tax rate. Wow. But they're happy. Yeah. So you know, hey, you know, let's let's all learn from them.
0: So I, I've 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 watched a couple of pretty good Danish movies. There's one called The Hunt. Um, subtitles, mm-hmm. but it's amazing, and there's a couple other good ones too. And I got to let my studio audience know and people listening. Eric's parents were absolute saints. They were just saints. I used to go over there and Eric and I would just wreak havoc. Wreak havoc. For sure. And I and I got a little bit too comfortable with how cool they were. And Eric's mother, as you've probably figured out, is is from Denmark and she had a an accent and she was the nicest woman, just such a such a sweet woman. And I, but I always American. thought it was, I didn't know anybody else that was anything other than just American. So I was being a wise right. ass. I was being a stupid 12, 13 year old kid, whatever I was. And Eric had a chalkboard in his room and he had all this different stuff. So I erased it and I wrote lesson for today, be Danish. And I propped it up and I had kind of forgotten about it. And we were just doing our thing playing all of a sudden, Mr. Claren comes home who was who equally nice, but in a different way. And he walks in. And we had been doing all kinds of other shit. I'm sure that he wasn't happy about. But he looks at the the chalkboard and he sees lesson for for today be Danish. And he did not appreciate the humor. And he looked right at me. He said, uh, "Did you write that?" And I said, "Yes." And he goes, "Ethan, you may leave." And I said, "And I said, I am so sorry." He goes, "You may stay."
1: Ethan, and, you may stay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And And I didn't have to go home because I just apologized yeah. immediately. But that was that was your parents in a nutshell. They they wanted so bad to to discipline. But at the end of the day, they were just the best parents. I had the best time over your house and great memories over there on Washington Road. Yes.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I, I always had fun with yours as well.
0: That's awesome. That's great. And uh, listen, everybody, uh, we were really lucky to have Eric on the show. Eric, thank you so much for taking time out of your West Coast uh, schedule. And I hope that you continue to uh, be careful with those edibles, man. 10 milligrams, if that's your limit, stay right there. I mean, you know, you're know, you making nachos one night. Who, who who knows what happens the next time you right. take a little bit too it's much? Slippery right? slope. It's a slippery slope. You know,
1: tomorrow night's pad high.
0: That's right. <laughs> well, you
1: know, you're making pad high. That's and right. And then... You have that, and then what? And then what? You know, once once you do that, like, where is the line?
0: It's a it's a gateway Maybe the food. are like a gateway. It's a gateway. It's a gateway. All right, my friend. Thank it's you so much. I appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. All right, brother. All right, take care. You too, man.
1: All right, bye. Thank you. Okay.